Welcome everyone to the Seeds of Love podcast with Stacy, Barb, and a beautiful special guest today that we will introduce you to. Uh, but for now, I just want to start with reading you a poem that I wrote that ties into our topic for today. Uh, and it was inspired by an experience I had in the summer of 2019 and also inspired by the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. It's by Clarissa Pinkola Este. And it's called My Bluebeard. I felt the rushing hot flush on my skin. I stood there silently desiring to go in. I knew he would be there, that tall, dark, and handsome. I also knew he was holding my soul ransom. He reminded me of the man they called Bluebeard, in which his buddies and groupies stayed silent yet cheered. His charm, his smile, charisma, and use of we drowned out the brothers and sisters who tried to stop me. When I finally saw him in the real form he bore, I decided I didn't want to be behind that door. The door that would lead me to darkness and despair, it would take me to a place where I could no longer care. It would suck out my light and the love I could give. It would be the loneliest and last place I'd live. It wasn't long before I heard the loud call. The roars from my brothers and sisters said it all. My sister was in fury as she came up the steps, just as she was the night when they'd met. She told him no and was willing to walk away. I fell for the show and decided to stay. I finally got it and a weight fell off my chest. The brothers and the sisters are your heavy support vest. They'll always come in to guide you on your way. The silent call to run or the silent call to stay. They speak to you often behind the desired mind. They watch you very carefully so you don't go in blind. If you choose not to listen, if you choose to go your own way, they'll whisper at first then you'll hear them from far, far away. They may sound so quiet, you wonder if you can hear them, but trust me, my dear, look closely and you'll see them. Your brothers and sisters are here for you and call you from across the bay. Now find your wolf, take hold of her. It's time for you to have your own way. Oh God, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you for that. So today's discussion is on narcissism, and according to Webster's Dictionary, uh, the description of a narcissism or narcissist is somebody who has, who has an exaggerated sense of self-importance, persistent need for admiration, lack of empathy for others, excessive pride in achievements, and a snobbish, disdainful, or patronizing attitude. Now, my only frame of reference um, when I was younger of narcissism was the character Narcissus from Hercules and from Greek mythology. And Narcissus just liked to walk around with a mirror and even a mirror that he had given a baby, he grabbed back from the baby and stood there all day long amongst everybody doing beautiful things. He just wanted to look himself in the mirror. And Greek mythology suggests that Narcissus ended up killing himself because the object of his desire, which he could never attain, was himself. And so he ended up committing suicide because he couldn't attain that, which is what he, all that he wanted. So that is the topic of discussion today. Mm -hmm. Welcome, everyone. And we're going international today, Barb. <laughs> yes, we are. So, so excited. We wanted to touch on uh, forgiveness and relationships, uh, specifically today, relationships with narcissism. We have a beautiful special guest coming in from the Netherlands to really assist us in this topic. And we're so excited for you to meet her. 
Valerie Ketchen is also known as Miss Vitality, the personal trainer of the leading ladies of the corporate world. She finds smart ways and develops practical tools to inspire awareness and help people discover their brilliance so they become healthier, happier version of themselves. Today, we're discussing how forgiveness helped Valerie overcome the mental and emotional wounds of narcissistic abuse and how she managed to rebuild her self-esteem and overcome major self-doubt to ultimately establish herself as an authority within the wellness industry. Valerie, welcome to season one. Welcome, Valerie. Hello, Stacey and Barb. It is so amazing to be here with you guys. You ha- What an opening, Stacey. That was like, that's amazing. What a poem. Ah, mm-hmm. touch of the heart. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So because we know each other so well, and our combos can go on for days, we... Um, we don't have that kind of time today, so um, if it's okay with you, Val, let's just jump right in. Um, I have a two-part question to start with. If you're ready, let's Yeah, dive. sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let's dive in. Um, when did you first realize you were in a narcissistic relationship? Ooh, that was, uh, that's a really good question because I actually didn't didn't know at all that I was in a narcissistic relationship during the relationship itself. Mm. I, um, I had some feelings of things that weren't right, but really knowing that it was a narcissistic relationship was only six months after we broke up. And um, it was just because a, a colleague of mine, I was talking to a colleague and she had told me, doing this certain study. Um, I was really curious to know why she was doing this study. And she, know, she told me it was because she had a, a, uh, a narcissistic relationship. And what she told me blew my mind that I was, I was finally, the, puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle were falling into place. And I started reading everything there was about it and finally finding out, figuring out that I wasn't the one who was crazy, which was like this ma- major step. I would ask because I was, I had been miserable for the six months after our relationship ended, just torturing myself and asking myself, like, what have I done wrong? So that was the point um, that I realized that it really wasn't, wasn't my fault. He was the, the sick one, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So what kind of things, like once you started reading up on it, what kind of things did you start understanding? Oh my God, that was my relationship. Like, um, those are things that I, you would, that you were able to start recognizing that you had had a narcissistic partner. Well, at first it's the, it's the love bombing. Like there, you, you, it's so charming that, um, you can just, you, you can't, you, you can hardly, they be, they are irresistible. So you're really wound up on their, on their charm um, and they do everything for you and you're so great. But then comes a phase in which they start, uh, once they do have you, like it's almost caged, but almost trapped, you're attached. Then they start, it reverses. There's something that happens and you start doubting yourself or they start, uh, what happened to me was he started putting me down where the first time I kind of questioned it and I was like, 
is this okay? Is it not okay? It was on the verge, right? It was on the, on the, on the limit. And um, the gaslighting, so I, I didn't know what gaslighting was. Just like you said, Barb, before having this relationship and realizing this, the only thing I knew about narcissism was this Greek myth. Mm. And I really just noticed the whole dark. I got into the dark side of humanity with gaslighting, which is um, making you believe something that is not true. Um, so, but doubt yourself in such a way, which had happened to me before, like you, you put, you place something somewhere and you're sure you put it there. Like I ha I parked my car at a certain point and the next day I, um, I came to the car and it was gone, you know, like you you start doubting yourself. Oh, maybe I put it in the wrong place. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually it had been towed oh <laughs> so my gosh. this had nothing to do with the narcissist but um the car being towed is just a uh, is a is a form of doubting yourself in a in a sense that you know you're you're being you're being forced to to think otherwise than the than the than you actually had done so the what the narcissist does is to uh do that deliberately so trying to manipulate you and, and, and make you believe, kind of torture you in a way that, um, that it's, it's, it's a form of mind, uh, brainwashing. Um, he started to say, yeah, the, the we from the poem that is so recognizable because it's like almost we against the rest. I was being isolated from my family. My family was being... Um, kind of trashed uh, by him and I started believing it. So it started as very subtle, but it, it turned out very evil at a, to a point where I was just completely, uh, completely isolated socially, financially, economically, uh, everything. Wow. That's like, that sounds like a few people that I know of that that's happened to, right? We can recognize that. Um, so can you think of a moment that was your sort of crossroads or what I like to say, a sliding door moment for you where you kind of, you know, now where am I? Um, I uh, you go left or you go right. Um, it, that's my sliding door moment theory. Um, where you kind of, you know what I mean? Where you kind of see it and you're like, okay, where am I, where do I go from here? Weird. Yeah. Oh, totally. There was, um, there were a couple of moments, but one in specifically was, um, I remember it was so, on an April day in, uh, I, I locked myself in the bathroom because that was the only moment, uh, the only place I actually had to myself that would be like the safe place. Imagine these couple square meters that you would feel, you wouldn't feel the pressure of uh, of this of this manipulation and torture. Uh, it was everything but physical. Um, and I heard myself think, like, if I were to get out of this alive, um, I would become a nun. And just the idea, I was actually stepping out of myself, hearing myself say that and judging myself for that. Like, this is, this is bad, Valerie. Like, this is, what are you doing here? Um, and 
that was like a moment that I knew I realized I had to do something because it felt like I was in quicksand, you know, like any, any, anything I would do would go the wrong way, uh, would, would pull me in even deeper. So I was desperately hoping for someone to kind of, to, to get me out of there, if it were my mom, my dad, my friends, but there was no one. I was already isolated. Mm-hmm. So really, I, I realized the only way to get out of there was to do something myself. Wow. So what I hear is like that moment where you have this sudden realization that this sudden thought comes in. Um, It's like this massive like moment of clarity drop of like, wow, this is bad. Right. So it's like that part when that came in, did you start to see things a little bit more clearly after that then like how bad it actually was? And from there, the, did you start to see just the dynamic of your relationship did that start to change of what it actually meant to you now being with this man? Yeah, well, what, something really changed when um, uh, when we had we had a small breakup, and um, in the meantime, I had actually booked a flight to attend my sister's wedding, and we did get back together in the meantime. And the fact that he was surprised that I was going to my sister's wedding, that was, that was the, the turning point because I realized that it was, it was ridiculous for him not to allow me to go to my sister's wedding. It was one point that he didn't want to go himself, but the fact that he wanted to prevent me from attending my sister's wedding was was for me just over the top. That was like a bridge too far. And I would stand in my power at that point, like there's no way you are going to prevent me from going to my sister's wedding. And that's the point that he left me. It was seriously, we were about to go to bed and he just, he, he got dressed again and walked out and I never saw him since. And Basically, what I have learned since then is that I was so lucky, actually, to uh, for him to leave me because that would it would prevent me from doing all the like the hard work of having to leave under pressure and getting the repercussions. So that sounds lonely (laughs) Um, because you had mentioned that you were already feeling really isolated because he had kept a lot of your family away from you at this point or like kind of iced them out. Um, Do you have any other solid, like do you have a support system around you at all while you were going through all this or what did you do? Oh, nothing at all. I was literally, when I left him, when we left, when we split up, I was homeless. I had no job. I had two kids to take care of. Uh, so I had no income. Literally, I had I even had debt to take care of from a previous um, divorce. So I was on the, basically on the street. I spent two weeks sleeping as a uh, in in my my brother's bless him um, walk-in closet, and while my kids were were at my my ex-husband's, and I had like I had no support nothing no not financially no no friends who understood me because 
that was part, that was basically even the hardest part to not feel heard. It was almost like they didn't understand anyone who has not been through this themselves. They cannot, they cannot imagine how a strong lady or a strong girl like, like me could allow this to happen. Um, so they, I felt like I was being the accused as if there was, I had been raped and I was being accused. I was put on the stand, uh, as a, as a, uh, as the one who let it happen. And that was so disempowering. And so it felt, um, almost like evil, like something had been, I had been victimized and I was being punished for it as well. Oh my God, like, I can't even imagine, like, to go through something like that and then to have had it happen so insidiously that you've lost everybody. And, and then they're turning to you going, well, this is all on you. This is all on you. Mm-hmm. So um, were there any resources around at that time? Like, Yeah, well, what I... Um... What I turned to, there were three things I actually turned to. One was when I learned about it, educated myself, I discovered that it wasn't my fault, uh, that these people were just really actually sick in their mind. Um, That was one part. So it relieved a part of me. Um, Two, I found a bit of relief in... Uh, social media groups because uh, there there are like tons of victims of uh, narcissistic abuse on social media who have really gone through the same thing and that was the other that was the second thing that really gave me the relief of oh my god I'm not the only one it it, it isn't really just my fault and these people they really understood and they would give me the support in in, in understanding and feeling heard but it would stop there because they they didn't really, um, they, they couldn't really figure out a way to move on. And that's when I found like the, uh, it wasn't until I realized that third part, um, I did a course in, in the law of attraction. I got in contact with that on relationships. And it was actually then that I realized the, the cause, the original cause of me getting into this relationship um, uh, for starters, which was my lack of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, you know, I had asked myself, what had I, who had I wronged to deserve this, to deserve this karma or this, this relationship? Who had I hurt or who did I have to apologize to? And doing this course with the law of attraction, I, I, it hit me. It was like a light bulb going off that I had allowed it to happen because I wasn't treating myself the way I wanted to be treated. And that like opened the floodgates for this guy to, uh, to just trample all over me and um, take advantage of me. Wow. Oh my gosh. Like that's a huge part. And so many people don't see that, that, that self love part that when we don't love and respect ourselves, that's what happens. We attract that, which we're putting out into the world. Right. It's, it's so powerful to know that. Um, so were there any, like, what else, what could you have used during that time? Like, if you were, like, for people that are going through this, what are some of the things that you could have used during that time that would have been of help to you? Well, first of all, educate yourself. 
um, like clarity on, on, on books, clarity on the topic, um, that is, that is key to understanding how that process works. Um, the fact of it not being, not being like a, a burden for people to hear because they, they don't understand it. So fe feeling heard in a way, the law of attraction. Yeah. You have to find out figure out that on your, on, on your own. Um, but what I really missed is like someone who could show me the way who could show me like the next, what's the next step. Cause I was, I was wanting to grow. I was wanting to get over this and what actually helped me a lot is, um, is learning that I, I had, I had a set of boundaries, but I couldn't set them. I did not know how to set them. And that's, that's what this is all about, right? To say no when you have to say no and um, to be able to value yourself enough in that sense that, yeah, you need to value yourself, that self-value, self-esteem. Um, that is what, what you need to grow. Mm -hmm. So it sounds to me like having a mentor <laughs> would have been really beneficial. Like someone that you knew who had been open about their experience that you could have um, maybe reached out to or to walk you through the process of it. Yeah, actually, um, I, I was the first in my whole entire, um, my entire environment. Nobody else had gone through this before. But once I had discovered those steps and gone through them, it seemed like ladies and women were just popping up. Mm -hmm. Um, having had the same experience, but they didn't know what it was. So when they talked to me, I kind of told them like, hey, this sounds really like a narcissist, nar like narcissistic behavior. And I don't want to judge it for that or don't want to define it for that. It's up to you to, dis to discover that and to judge it in a way, because um, the tricky thing here is that um, a therapist or a psycho psychotherapist will know the theory about it. But if, um, if you take your partner, like if I, if I were to take my partner, if I had known <clears throat> he was a, if I had known he was a narcissist or had something wrong, I would have taken him to a therapist. But what would have happened is that he would have just wound, he would have charmed the therapist right? Because in practice, um, they are so much more eloquent in manipulating on the outside, but they don't realize what happens on the, uh, on the inside. They don't show their true face, their, their, their real face behind the mask. Um, so the strange thing is that a therapist could theoretically define it, but you need to be close enough so that the, the victim can only really define it from a practical point of view, but they're not licensed. So there's like this enormous paradox in it, you know, like um, a therapist would, would help, I think. To a certain point, someone who's really been, someone who's really been through it and, and has, has, has gone through those steps would, would be the, the best, best way to go, I think. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, like at this point, bringing law of attraction into your life, which to me, to, to want to bring law of attraction into your life also requires you to practice self-awareness. So for me, now you're becoming more self-aware. You're starting to ask questions. You're educating yourself. Understanding self-love is a huge piece of that. Regaining your self-esteem. 
So it's like, as you start to build yourself back up, um, did you start to see him differently once you had more clarity? Like how did your perception of him change after you started to Yeah, so what I realized is, is him being sick, right? Him being mentally, mentally ill um, is really something that, that, that gave me the motivation or the, the fuel basically to, uh, to see things differently because that's what set me apart from all those other people who were in the, in the, in the groups just like swimming but never, never getting out of that, out, out that self-entitlement because I was feeling... I was feeling entitled to an apology, to acknowledgement, to recognition. Like I wanted him to see the, 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 the damage he had done and to apologize for that, right? So in that sense, I was feeling entitled, but I wanted to move on. I wanted to um, not stay stuck in that sense. So I remember this, this day, it was my birthday, my kids were, uh, were at their dad's place, and I spent the evening just trying to figure out, like, how can I, come, how can I overcome this, this stuck feeling of anger? Because the anger, it really is, is hurting you, right? It's not hurting that, other, that, that guy, uh, the narcissist at all. And I basically decided to feel um, sorry for him for not being able to empathize for not being able to take responsibility and i was willing to see things differently and that's i only noticed it later on you know the 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 quote by wayne dyer uh, saying when you change the way you look at things the things you look at change that was so applicable to that situation because once i became willing to see him in a different light to see his um his weakness, his flaws from a place of compassion, that is when that whole heaviness, that whole load went off my shoulders of the anger and the resentment and the, uh, the feeling entitled and victimized. So it was like this such, such a load off. It was not like I was, I was, um, it wasn't like I was, I was saying it was okay what he did to me. I was just, I was just, enough i had enough of of um of the yeah the self-torture basically so i let that go and in that moment i received a the miracle of forgiveness because that shifted the fact that i was actively compassionate it really gave me a sense of forgiveness and that was like what lifted what broke my heart open cracked mm -hmm. my heart open in a sense that I was free. I was liberated from that sense of entitlement and victimization. And um, yes, something, something else happened there too that led to seeing that I was, I was in power. It was, it was me who decided how I chose to feel, right? So um, that brought me back to when it all started, feeling like, a victim of the situation and that I had, I had felt uh, this low sense of self-esteem. But now that I understood that I was the, the one in charge, the one in power, I was, right. I, I went from, yes, I went from victim, victimized yeah. to empowered. Love it. I realized that I also had a role to play in it. 
and that was when I went to the second level of forgiveness because I was able to forgive myself for letting it happen. And that was really the strongest one um, that somewhere people for, forget to forgive themselves and they stay stuck in, in the, um, yeah, in the trap of, of uh, beating themselves up for allowing it to, to, to happen. Yeah, it's like a vicious loop. I love that you, you touched on that suck piece and not um, waiting for him to release you to be able to move forward in your life. Because it's like, if only he would apologize, if only he would apologize, if I could get that from them, like atone for what you've done, right? But it's like, when you're waiting, you're still giving them the power over the direction in that, which you choose to go in life and you moving forward. And I love that piece when you get to that space of actually, I don't need it. Like, I don't need it. And I don't need you. <laughs> and I can, I can do this on my own. And, and that's okay. And I love that piece. I love that you touched on that, like, bringing coming back into your power in power, empowered. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So how did that change? Like, so how did that change your moving forward? How did that change you? Um, in terms of like, learning to set boundaries because there's no way like you had to have learned a different way of living and a different way of, of being Valerie once you had that awareness and, and you were able to set yourself free. How did that, how did you move forward from that then? Well, well that was just like the, the beginning. That was like the epiphany, right? Of, of, See, having the great aha moving from victim to empowerment mm -hmm. through forgiveness. Um, that's when my journey of recovery actually really started. And it wasn't until about six, seven years later that I ran into another man and had a relationship that, um, that I got some, some same similar red flags, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the really, um, difficult things for people who have been victim of narcissistic abuse is to trust uh, first of all themselves, but also other people. Uh, like when it, it, this is probably going to happen again and uh, how do I prevent it from happening again? How can I trust this? Or you become paranoia. Yeah. But having learned my lesson, I really educated myself and um, went deep into the theory of it. I could probably be a therapist myself right now <laughs> just on this topic. <laughs> but um, coming into this relationship, I realized that maybe I, this was like my test, right? Uh, as, if, as if I had, I had, had my, my epiphany and come into this, uh, this next relationship. And there were a couple of red flags uh, at the beginning. But there was one thing that was really, um, really poignant, which was um, a situation in where, where I got accused of not, um, not being sharp enough, where, well, make a long story short, he, he hurt me and I called it out. And uh, he basically changed the topic where I had expected him to apologize because that was the thing that I would do. And I couldn't really put a finger on it at that in the situation itself. But the days after that, that happened, that phone call, I w it just couldn't let, it wouldn't let me go. It was, it was something so deep inside of me that triggered something that I, 
I had to dig into the deeper end of it. So I did. And I basically, I was writing him a letter. And in writing that letter, I realized how to set boundaries mm-hmm. and that that is so so important and people always talk about how important it is to set boundaries but nobody tells you exactly how to so this is what happened i um i i wrote down like my expectations based on my value because i value the fact of taking responsibility that is one of my personal essential values and based on that value a norm that I am used to uh, uh, used to is to apologize whenever I hurt someone, um, like you would do in traffic, right? When when you hit when you hit a car, um, the fact of acknowledging the damage will allow that person to get uh, the insurance cover the damages, right? But at first, it has to be acknowledged. Yeah. So that's what I expect. My expectation is that someone else would apologize as I would myself too. That's like one level. Then the other level is my tolerance. I would tolerate for him to do this to other people because it is their responsibility to set their own boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's another level of the non-negotiable. So the non-negotiable here is that I do not accept the fact that he does not apologize to me. And that was like so clear to me that this is the way we need to set our boundaries. But those values are not something that you you come up with like in an afternoon and think like, oh, these are my values. It's not like a branding or a marketing exercise. This is really, you only really understand your values by hitting them, by being triggered by them. Yeah like them being challenged so you can ask yourself mm-hmm. oh is this something that i value because this doesn't feel right like yeah. oh i didn't like that what was that about it's in your it's in your body right you feel it mm, the visceral the visceral yeah yeah wow so with all like i love this boundary piece and i know that we'll probably do like a whole other podcast on that because <laughs> i think it's really important for people um, for all of us, I mean, I think that's as you continue to grow, you just learn how to develop a different boundary with a different dynamic with a different person. Um, you know, because I feel like maybe your values in a relationship might be different than your values at work. So who knows? But if you had um, one thing that maybe you could leave listeners with today, Val, like we've covered a lot, but if there was one thing that you could just like drive home to somebody. Um, who's in this uh, similar situation, uh, what would that be? The one thing would be to trust yourself. Uh, it really comes up, comes down to not doubting yourself because he, they do that, they, they cause that, the self-doubt, and you, it's up to you to get out of that situation. You have your life under control and only you can take that step. Nobody else is going to do that for you. Um, but I also know that, you know, having been there myself, I know exactly what it feels like to go through this, this desperation and helplessness that, that these victims of narcissistic abuse go through. And I know where you get stuck. So it really is, um, it would be of, of a great 
great value to get a mentor, to find someone who has already been through this. And, and yeah, I do feel called to help people recover and rebuild their self-esteem much, fa much faster than I did. Like I took, it took me eight years, right? So, and if you have the right steps uh, to take, you can do this much faster. Don't waste eight years of your life, of like the prime of your life. For me, it was between like 34 and, and, and 42. It took away, like he took away eight years of my life while the relationship only, only took two years. So it is... Mm -hmm. Matt, you could, you are wasting so much time in your precious life if you don't do anything. Right. I think that's like, to not a put yourself in this, this space of aloneness, you know, that empowered piece of reaching out and asking for help and support from someone who's been through it. Because I think that's sometimes what happened, it happens is people in abusive relationships might talk to someone who's, who doesn't fully understand and they sort of diminish or demean what it is that's actually going on because they don't, they, they don't have a, a similar experience to call upon to understand the depths in which you're, you're feeling on a regular basis. Um, so it's like it, it almost makes you, again, in those relationships also doubt what it is you're actually feeling, whereas you could maybe get a little bit more um, assistance and be seen and be heard in someone who's been through it. And I think that's such a beautiful reminder to people of, of you don't have to do it alone, is that there's so many people out there who want to help you, who are genuinely there to want to help you and assist you because you can do it and they believe in you. Um, thank you so much for that. I love that reminder. Thank so I think that is it. Valerie, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so, I am just so happy that you were able to be with us. So happy that you could provide this space for our love renegades to assist in empowering others who need it and dropping some wisdom on a serious topic right now. Um, can you tell our listeners what you're up to and where they can find you, my darling girl? Oh, absolutely. Um, at this moment, I am actually working on a metabolic makeover program, um, my vitality, uh, for my vitality crowd. And if you want to feel, if you want to connect or you, you, you want to know more about me, maybe follow my journey or just stay tuned, then you could join my email list or just download my free ebook, The Seven Metabolic Secrets. Mm, and we'll make sure we put a list, uh, not a list, sorry, guys, a link um, to your website, Val, so people can visit it and check it out, because I know you have a lot there. You also um, have your, you're on social media, too. Can you, can you tell people Instagram, Facebook, where they can find you? Yeah, sure. I am on Facebook, Miss Vitality, on Instagram, Miss Vitality, and you can download the free ebook on www.missvitality.nl slash forward slash metabolism and we will link that for you guys so you can click right on it and go to it so don't stress about having to write that down we'll hook you up with that oh. with that bomb of love yeah. um so next week guys uh we'll have another great guest speaker um who's truly come from the darkest of shadows um she's experienced a lot she's experienced rape suffering and despair um, and has come to more of a dedicated life of forgiveness for her attacker, for herself, as well as supporting countless others on a similar path, reminding them that they aren't alone, that they aren't forgotten, 
and that they truly can be in love again to find light after the darkness. Thanks for stopping in today, Love Renegades. We trust that you'll tap into your toolbox this week. Journal, create new space for life through your forgiveness meditation from last week and stay open, stay willing, stay strong, always moving forward with love at your back and love in your heart. A love renegade through and through. Lots of love from me, Stacy, And many blessings from me, Barb. And Val. <laughs> and Val. <laughs> yeah, and Val. <laughs> and Val. See you guys.